This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Hey YA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest on on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We're recording on Thursday, July 5th, 2018, which is also known as the longest Monday that is ever Monday, even though it's Thursday. <laughs> it does feel like that. <laughs> How's it going over there? Good, good. Lots of... I, I have just piles of new books and so much to talk about. I'm excited. What about you? Um, About the same, honestly. I have been just plowing through books the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I go through, like, highs and lows of, you know, reading. Like, I'll read a bunch in a week, and then I won't read for a couple weeks, and then I'll read a bunch in another week. And uh, this is one of the upswing, like, reading weeks. And uh, I've blown through, like, three YA books in the last few days. Um, oh, and all yeah. were really good. Yeah. So I, I finished Notes for My Captivity by Kathy Parks, which will be out by the time this, this podcast hits uh, air but it's about a girl who uh, goes with her stepfather to Siberia to investigate whether this rumored family that had left Moscow is really living that far off the grid. And uh, it was really good. It's a survival story, but it's also a story about grief and about family. And it's got a touch of magic to it. So it's not 100% contemporary, but uh, has just that little like hint of a fantasy in it and uh, mm. it was really good it was really compelling and uh, I pretty much read it in one sitting um, also it was really funny like I wouldn't expect a survival story about grief to be funny but uh, at times I was literally laughing out loud so um, yeah it reminded me a lot of up to this point by Jennifer Longo which was set in Antarctica and also sort of explored similar topics um, it turns out I really like uh, YA set in remote cold places i guess <laughs> <laughs> did you get that book um i am still alive yet i forget no I like but i need a copy it. of it and and we were just saying before we got uh to recording that whenever we talk about a book we need it somehow shows up at our house so i guess that that's my point of uh saying i really need that one to show up because it sounds like yes. something so up my alley it is i think you'll like it so uh, the other book that I read that I was going to talk about real quick was Cody Keplinger's Upcoming That's Not What Happened, which it comes out at the end of August. And I have seen nobody talking about it, and I don't know why. Uh, it's Cody Keplinger, first of all. And second of all, it's a, it's a story about a school shooting, but it's from the point of view of, uh, I'll say, six of the kids who were right there when the shooting happened, who were survivors of the shooting. And it talks a lot about... Who gets to control the narrative after a tragedy? Like what, yeah, what did you hear via the news versus like what actually happened to the people who were there and what they experienced and what they saw? And uh, it was really powerful and moving. And um, it, it takes on something that is horrific, of course, but it looks at something that we don't think about or talk about a whole lot. And that's those survivors and, and what they actually experienced versus what, we as outsiders maybe thought that they experienced or heard that they experienced. And uh, so for readers who, who like Keplinger, they'll be really happy with this one. And um, also, I just think it's unfortunately still timely and relevant and will be for a long time. So that uh, that one comes out in August. What have yeah, you sounds, been reading? That... <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying that sounds really different and interesting. Like, I feel like we've gotten a lot of books like, from the perspective of when it's happening, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to see that. What is, uh, yeah, I was going to say, what's been on your uh, reading plate lately? 
Yeah, so as for me, I got a copy of Park's book, um, and I'll have to dig into it. And yeah, Jennifer Longo's book's been on my mind a lot lately. I don't know why. It, it's... I guess I'm on that that sort of kick too, reading like survival <laughs> stories. I don't I don't know what it I've, is. I've really been into survival stories, and it seems like this is a really good year for it. Um, yeah. I just pulled together a few that came out this year. So the two that we mentioned, there's also um, Jesse Kirby's got one coming out called The Other Side of Lost, and then uh, Sarah Nicole Lemon's Valley Girls is another one, a little, little bit less survival, but has that survival wilderness element to it. Um, and I I. Maybe this is what happens to you too. It's like I read one and then I need like a bunch more all at once. I need to like mm-hmm. read them in one in one go. I don't know what it is, but um, you know, it's kind of like those. Um, me- what, what were we saying? Those um, contagion books, you know, where there's like yeah. a widespread virus. It's like <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> this is this is like not enjoyable reading, and yet I can't get enough of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because you know my wife and I are moving to Michigan. We have these woods in our backyard, and every once in a while, I'm like. Mm. I could live back there. I could, I could figure that out. But I, I could not. I, I would not make it. <laughs> I mean, you can uh, only carry so many books with you in the woods as it's it true. is, you know. It's so. true. <laughs> so, let's see. So, as for me reading, um, so I started reading Pulp by Robin Talley um, mm. on my way home from ALA, which we totally need to talk about because somehow I didn't see you the whole conference we were there. I don't know what I happened. Know. Um, but I love everything she writes, um, and her latest is this shifting point of view story about a, a teen who is um, writing like lesbian pulp fiction in the 1950s while living in D.C. during McCarthyism. So there's just like layers upon layers of, of why it would be so difficult for her to write these um, write these kind of stories. And then a teen today uh, who is doing research on lesbian pulp fiction for her senior project. Uh, and she's trying to figure out uh, who the woman was who wrote these stories that she loved so much, um, and if she's still alive, she's still around, um, who the pseudonym uh, is actually for. And it's really great. It's it's fun and gripping and just, I don't know, it's typical Robin Talley where I'm just adoring all the uh, all the prose. Um, and I picked up an early copy at Harlequin Teen uh, at ALA within like 10 minutes of arriving at the conference. <laughs> I, I like walked in. And, you know, I was just looking at the signs to see what booths were there. And I only had, like, I don't know, a half hour because I got there really, really late on the first day. So I was like, I'll just make a beeline towards Harper. Usually they have stuff. And there's a big pile. And, like, ten minutes. Picked up a book on day one. So that should give you an idea of how many books I picked up while I was there for four (laughs) days. Um, Let me see. I also managed to get early copies of, like, Rabbit and Robot by Andrew Smith. Uh, Light Years by Cass Morgan, and just a bunch of other books I already own because I wanted to get them signed while I was there. <laughs> so, uh, like, I bought Anger as a Gift, and Little and Lion, and Tyler Johnson was here, and Beauty That Remains, The November Girl, and I had to ship all these books home from the conference because I brought a laptop backpack and not proper luggage with me. It was a, <laughs> it was a whole thing, but, you know, there was a box of books waiting for me when I got home, and I don't know why I've never thought to do that at a conference before. Uh, just mail books home. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, it was like fifteen bucks to send a whole yeah. big box yep. of books. Like, I need to do that from now on instead of suffering and dragging around a backpack. Um, and as for what I'm reading, uh, so yeah, there's pulp. And then I also started reading um, Tess Sharp's The Evolution of Claire, which is a, a prequel to the Jurassic World movies, and dig into that a little bit more later. Um, and I also started reading Cass Morgan's Light Years while I was on the plane, which is this like sci-fi novel about an interstellar uh, high school who starts letting teens in from all over the galaxy uh, after a big brutal attack happens and like the school's been like an exclusive private school for centuries so it's not like it's only been around for a couple of years Um, and it feels very Mass Effect which like fills that video (laughs) game YA reader hole in my life and yeah we'll talk about video games and YA and how they collide in a little bit because I'm a sucker for that. Um, <laughs> what about you? How was your ALA? Well, how, how'd it go? <laughs> My ALA was super fast. Um, yeah. You were talking about how many books you picked up, and I'm thinking, like, I got two books, and one was because the author came to visit me at my signing, and I informed him to get one of my books. He needed to bring me one of his. And then uh, the other one I picked up because it was one of my publisher's books. So I didn't get a chance to really wander the floor at all. I uh, was like, I got there... Friday evening and left Sunday morning. So it was fast and furious. Like, uh, I had two things I had to do, three things I had to do on Saturday. And then, um, 
after that, I was just like drained. <laughs> you know, like I went on a ghost tour Saturday night, which was like my fun thing when mm-hmm. I was down there in New Orleans. Uh, so that's probably why we never crossed paths is it was like, it seems like it's a long time. You're like, oh yeah, you know, I've got like 48 hours and then you get down there and you're like, oh, you know, uh, half of that is like sleeping and eating. And yeah. the other half is I have like obligations I have to do. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really fast and, um, it was, it was fine. Um, interestingly, I thought the floor felt pretty empty, uh, compared to like what it's been in the past. So I wonder if there were just fewer people out or if a lot of the stuff on the floor was happening when there were a lot of big meetings going on. I don't know. I also think they spread it out a lot this year. Like I felt like the publishers were all across the floor mixed in with all like the library and like, uh, different like media stuff. Um, mm-hmm. just really interesting to me. I feel like it made it a little easier to navigate around everybody. Um, I also went on a ghost tour, uh, with like a bunch of YA author people like Nova Rensuma and, um, oh goodness, who else was on that? So much Sam Maggs, all these people. And I had a really hard time because Ali Condi showed up and was on it. And I was like trying to <laughs> not fanboy the whole time she was there. Like in my head, I'm like, do you know, do you know who you are? Like I was, it was, <laughs> it was rough. And then, uh. And then later uh, that night, I was out with some authors, and a, I'm not going to say who it was, but a very famous author, uh, we, her and I were chit-chatting, and she asked me if I had written anything that she would know about, and I was just like, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, it was nice to meet you. Um, it, was, it was a very intimidating evening, but a very nice one. I had a good time. <laughs> Did you like the ghost tour? I know you went on one about like uh, famous women. Of New Orleans. Yeah, famous women murderers in New Orleans. And it was all just these badass ladies. Um, it was awesome. I, I, had a, I had a really good time. Um, I went on one. And they, they called it like uh, the most historically accurate ghost tour oh. of New Orleans. So it was less about the ghost stories and more about the history of a bunch of buildings. And it was very cool. Um, the tour guide... You know, she gave us the tour and she's telling us all these stories. And then at the very end, she's like, so this was my third time giving a tour. And <laughs> I oh, looked wow. over at my friend who was with me and we were like, it was only her third time. She was so good. You would have never thought that, you know, it was her her third time doing it. So, That's um, awesome. yeah, that was, you know, for the quick like turnaround I had down there, the tour was definitely worth it. Super touristy, but also it was a nice way to like get to know some of the stories behind the city. Um, even if you've been there before, I've been to New Orleans a couple times. Um, it was nice to sort of get like somebody who lives there and, and, you know, really loves this place and gives you the story about the place and, and all this history and lore. And it made me want to read a whole bunch of why I set New Orleans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we, uh, let's, let's dig into our, our show today. We've got some good stuff. Um, before we do that first, I have a really exciting uh, thing to share, and that's that we're giving away $500 of this year's Best YA Fiction and Nonfiction. I picked, out, I picked out all the titles. So, um, you know, my boss is like, okay, pick out $500 worth of YA books that have come out so far this year. And I was like, yes, can do. Uh, so it's a really <laughs> cool mix of books. It's, you know, super popular stuff you've heard of, things Eric and I have talked about quite a bit, uh, a nice mix for any kind of reader new to YA or somebody who's a super dedicated YA reading fan. Um, you can read the whole list of books that are included if you want to at bookriot.com slash 2018 slash 07 slash 02 slash best YA of the year so far giveaway. Or <laughs> you can do it the easier way and just go to bookriot.com slash 500, the number 500 YA giveaway to enter. And there should be a link there that tells you um, all okay, the books that, that are included. That's um, a little better. It is. It's a lot easier. And that uh, ends July 31st, so you have all month to, to head over there and enter. And I think you should. Like, I would want to win that prize yeah. myself. I mean, I picked it out, and uh, I kind of want to win it, but I'm not eligible. So pass the luck on to somebody else. Um, and then uh, let's talk about our first sponsor, too. Our first sponsor is The Edge of Over There by Sean Smucker. Abra Miller carries a secret and a responsibility she never expected. Abra finds, finds a clue to the whereabouts of the next tree of life when an ominous woman, who looks exactly like a ghost from her past, compels her to travel to New Orleans where she'll find one of seven gateways between this world and over there. 
As Abra enters the edge of over there and begins her pursuit of the tree once more, she doesn't know whom to fear and who to trust. She's also starting to think that some doorways should never be opened. Forward Reviews called The Edge of Over There a mesmerizing, menacing fantasy, and Abra Miller carries a secret and responsibility that she never wanted. When it takes her into a crypt at New Orleans Cemetery Number 1, will she get out alive? Uh, speaking of New Orleans books, I didn't even plan that. That's awesome. Um, that's The Edge of Over There by Sean Smucker, and it sounds really good. Yeah. So let's uh, let's start with the frustrating part of our conversation. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so we have talked before about the uh, ways that communities have responded to books like The Hate You Give and how they've pulled it from shelves or made it inaccessible, have challenged it. Um, this is a whole different beast. And mm-hmm. uh, the link will be in the show notes for anybody who wants to read a little bit more. But the, the summary is that Police officers in an area of Charleston, South Carolina, and I I repeat, police officers in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, are challenging two books on a summer reading list for high schoolers at one of these particular high schools in the city. And uh, they're challenging it because two of the four books, now students get to pick one of any of the books uh, listed, but two of them are about police brutality including The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, and the other one is All American Boys by Jason Reynolds and Brendan Kiley. They want those books pulled because of how they represent police, and they don't think that it's a very fair representation of police, and uh, students shouldn't be indoctrinated with those sorts of thoughts about uh, law enforcement. It just yeah. Like, I remember reading this and just, like, letting loose, like, the most... Like the longest exhale I think I have ever <laughs> exhaled in my life, because uh, like, it, like no, like I, there's something so unbelievable about like law enforcement trying to ban a book, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so um, you know, this isn't the first challenge to summer reading lists. It's like a tried and tradition, tried and true tradition every year. You know, parents get mad about these book lists, whether they're required reading or not. And, you know, we see it, we see it all the time. We'll see it come like to be a big thing in September, October when the school year starts too. But uh, this is the first time I think I've ever seen police stepping in and um, trying to do this. And uh, one of the things that always comes up is people talk about the difference between censorship and challenging a book and banning a book. And so um, just like a quick description a challenge to a book is that somebody's raised a concern there's something with a book that you know needs to be reviewed formally so uh, if a parent challenges a book on a summer reading list it would go to the school and the school has a, a board that will review school policy book selection and then make a determination um, mm. that's just that's a general rule of thumb of how it works but a uh, uh, censorship is when the challenge comes from a government body. And so what we're seeing here is an attempted censorship versus, you know, a challenge. Uh, Both aim to get the books, you know, out of the hands of readers, but it's like where it's coming from. And there's something particularly disturbing about this coming from, uh, you know, law enforcement, as if, you know, the government is overreaching in terms of what they believe young readers should and shouldn't have access to, um, especially during their summer reading when they have the choice to, to select among a number of books. Um, but, but here's the thing I think needs to be said, uh, and I'm not going to be the first person to say it, but because this is pretty basic, but uh, maybe if police stopped shooting innocent black people, we wouldn't have to need stories about police shooting black people. It seems pretty logical to me. Um, yeah. And so for them to step in and, and, try to get these books pulled it's just it doesn't make them look any better nope not at all and also like it it also kind of uh i feel like they're they're not doing what they're setting out to do when they're announcing that they want a book like this banned because isn't Mm -hmm. that just gonna make way more people read it and pick it up Mm -hmm. so i Go ahead. Doing yourself any favors there, guys. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I really dislike this. Happens a, a lot. Um, 
you know, when a book is challenged or, or pulled from a reading list, I see authors talk about how they want their book to, to end up like that because, you know, it means that more people are going to be reading it. And that's a little bit of a faulty logic there because there are actual consequences and ramifications from when a book is pulled. Um, yeah, you know, that's true. Teens, teens don't have access to it. Um, as much as we think it's easy to get a thing for a teenager who doesn't have a car, doesn't have money, doesn't have you know, access to credit cards, et cetera, et cetera, like it can actually be impossible for them to, to get the book. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the point is true that by talking about it and making a big to do about it like this, like you're going to get more people reading it. You're going to get more adults reading it, too, especially who are, you know, <laughs> going to see the parallels between those books and what they've seen in the media. And um, so maybe what they're doing here is actually just going to harm them a lot more. I mean, that's what we can hope, right? That there will be a pause and that adults in the community, because we already know teens in the community are doing stuff and speaking out, but we can hope that adults then step in and and start, you know, pushing back as well. And um, having these conversations about police brutality and the role of law enforcement and, uh, everyday citizen, you know, lives. Mm-hmm. So um, we just wanted to to bring that up because it's one of those situations that literally we've never seen before, even though it's common to see, you know, the summer the summer reading challenge. Um, and this is the second one out of Charleston in the last few years too, which is which is odd because Charleston's a fairly liberal city yeah. in the in the south. So. Um, this is one to keep your eyes on and see what happens. It's going through the formal process now through the school. So uh, the school is at least doing uh, their part in the, in the process. They're not just bowing down and uh, we can only hope. Yeah. yeah, We can only hope that uh, the teachers and administration continue to stand up for the students right to read. Cause that's really what, what's at stake here is, you know, what students are allowed to read and at what point the government gets to step in and say, no, you know, we don't like this. It's like, no, you don't really have that that authority so uh keep an eye on this one and we will update if we hear anything else too so um do you want to dive into sponsor two before we continue this conversation i do uh so sponsor number two is the art of escaping by aaron callahan aaron callahan just a quick aside, is that is that the author who wrote that lake effect book you like a it's lot? not but i got confused the first time too this is this is Aaron Callahan, the, the author of The Art of Escaping. The one who wrote The Lake Effect is Aaron McCahan. Very oh, close. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I had to do a double take a couple times when I was looking at this book. Like, is that the same oh, author? Okay. No, it's a totally different. This is, a, I believe, a debut author. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Well, back into it. Uh, Sponsor number two is The Art of Escaping by Aaron Callahan. Uh, 17-year-old Maddie is hiding her obsession with Harry Houdini and Dorothy Dietrich from everyone. With the help of a world-renowned escape artist named Miu, Maddie secretly transforms herself into a burgeoning escapologist and performance artist. That's when Will appears. Popular varsity athlete from Maddie's high school, Will stumbles onto her act at an underground venue. But it turns out Will has a few surprises of his own, and the two of them find out that not all secrets can remain hidden forever. Caught between a famous escapologist and the school's most popular jock, Maddie finds out she's not the only one hiding a big secret. A book about straitjackets, both real and mental, preps and loners, uh, stage personas and meeting personas uh, with LGBTQ themes and characters. It's Harry Houdini and Dorothy Dietrich meets Mean Girls and Scarlett Epstein. I uh, received a Kirkus Star review where they called the book an exciting and nuanced portrayal of the terror of vulnerability and the freedom of authenticity. Uh, perfect for fans of Going Vintage by Lindsay Levitt and The Haters by Jesse Andrews. This sounds fun. I haven't heard of this one. Um, I wonder really why good... she... Go ahead. I was just, I was, I'm wondering why she's uh, keeping it a secret. I mean, I, now I gotta check this out. I was gonna say, it's got really good comps, too. Like, they really yeah. did their, like, narrowing down, you know, it's not Eleanor and Park meets The Fault in Our Stars, which is a whole <laughs> lot, you know. But Going Vintage meets The Haters tells me quite a bit. Yeah, okay. I like uh, our ads. I do, too. <laughs> I always feel like I get something I wanna read after. <laughs> Um, speaking of things we want to read, we thought that tying in sort of with the conversation about summer reading lists, we would talk about some YA that we think 
uh, would make for great summer reading lists for either teen readers or for adults who maybe work with teens or uh, want to dig into YA a little bit and sort of, um, I guess you can call it the summer reading YA syllabus or summer YA reading syllabus. So um, I'll start if if that's cool. Um, I'll start with yeah, a super short, easy one. And that's uh, For Everyone by Jason Reynolds, which just came out in April. It's a short little uh, gift style book. And it's uh, based on a graduation speech he gave about taking creative leaps and risks and finding your wings like as you take the leap. Uh, I can see so much in here in terms of cre- uh, of encouraging all kinds of readers to be creative and to engage with the world with curiosity and um, fresh eyes. And uh, coming from somebody like Jason Reynolds, who, you know, is a huge YA rock star, like, it's a really encouraging and empowering little read um, in a nice little package. And that's uh, For Everyone by Jason Reynolds. Nice. Yeah, I love this idea. I, lo- I, like, the, I like the idea to, um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I, just, I just lost my spot here. But I like this. I like, I like talking about this. Um, so for my first pick, um, yeah, maybe American Panda by Gloria Chow. Um, I love that this book deals with parental expectations and life after high school when you're finally trying to push away and get out of that space. Um, I feel like those kind of stories, uh, especially when you're you know, moving away from what your family expects you to be and trying to become who you want to be are so important, especially when that transitional period of high school to college is coming up. Um, you know, I'd, I'd give this to, oh, maybe a, a high school student to read, you know, between their junior and senior year. Um, you know, it'll, it'll give them a little bit of what to expect. And also it's, uh, it's hilarious. Um, and that's, uh, American Panda by Gloria Chow. So this one, uh, my next one's going to be like a three for one. Um, yes. <laughs> so like I can imagine on the syllabus, it's like choose one of three or two or three <laughs> or read all three because all three are graphic, uh, graphic memoirs for YA readers or, um, I guess one of them wasn't published Two of them weren't published for YA readers, but they have great crossover appeal. So we're gonna we're gonna call it what it is. Um, and the three are "Dare to Disappoint" by Ozki Salmanki, "Persepolis" by Marjane Satrapi, and "How to Understand Israel in Sixty Days or Less" by Sarah Glidden. Um, each one of them is a graphic memoir set abroad. The first one is set in Turkey, the second one in Iran, and the third one in Israel. And uh, the first two, so Dare to Disappoint and Persepolis, are by authors who live in those countries. And the third, uh, How to Understand Israel in 60 Days or Less, was written by uh, a woman on her birthright trip to Israel. The visuals in all three are super powerful and sort of give this this experience of being in another country, either living in it or returning to it as a a way to better understand one's own cultural heritage um, in a way that I think that isn't the same as a novel getting like the visual of it is just so powerful and and moving and sort of gives you a whole other way into stories um given how little we know in america about the rest of the world any or all these would be really great ones to read to sort of get that glimpse into entirely different worlds from ours um and they give a really great history, too, um, of the history of those countries, as well as sort of like what the current climate is in each of them. So um, the three of those, I'll repeat them again slowly, are uh, Dare to Disappoint by Ozki Selmanki, that's the one set in Turkey, Persepolis by Marjane Sartrapi, that's the one set in Iran, and then How to Understand Israel in 60 Days or Less by Sarah Glidden, which is the one that's set on a birthright trip to Israel. Ah, those are so good. Um... So yeah, I like books that uh, encourage difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the hit you give certainly does, uh, like we talked about earlier. So I'd I'd maybe put books like uh, The Female of the Species by Minnie McGinnis. Um, oh good, I could do a three parter. Uh, so <laughs> The Female of the Species by Minnie McGinnis, uh, All the Rage by Courtney Summers, um, or Tradition, uh, which is a newer one by Brandon Kiley, um, to talk about rape culture and consent. You know, I, I think. Uh, you know, those are the kind of books that help you have those sort of talks uh, with with younger people uh, or with one another. Um, yeah, and they're great reads that uh, teenagers could certainly uh, rip through over the uh, over the summer. I agree. I agree. Those would all be really good ones. Um, yeah. Because I'm- and I still need to read Courtney Summer's zombie book. 
I don't know what's well, wrong with me. I'm just going to, I'm going to buy it today. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it almost seems like you've been talking about that since the first episode of I the know. show. And it's like time to fix that. Um, <laughs> so, cause I see what you have written down, um, based on something I wrote, I'm going to skip to my, my next one. Uh, <laughs> I think that all readers who want to take part in like a YA reading syllabus should read a YA bestseller. Uh, doesn't matter which one. There's a huge value in picking one that like you look at the list and look at the list for the last few months. Just pick something that sounds good, read it, and then be able to think about like why it's a bestseller, what makes it so appealing, and uh, what kind of reader would absolutely love it. Uh, pretty conveniently, The Hate You Give would be a good fit, as would All American Boys, both the books which were you know, challenged by police for summer reading. And uh, I think it would be interesting to read either both of those um, or any other book on the list and just, just kind of consider like what makes the book so scary you know uh yeah. because in a lot of cases i suspect it's the same thing that makes the book so good yeah i agree and yeah i love this the idea to push something that's on a bestseller list because as great as those YA novels are from the 80s that teachers <laughs> share with teenagers like hatchet and hatchet two hatchet harder uh, i'm kidding i know it's called the river um, <laughs> they're not it's just not exactly the best example of what's currently out there and, and, and being read. Um, you know, it's funny. You mentioned like the hate you give, uh, an all American boys. I think about dear Martin by Nick mm-hmm. stone. Um, mostly because like, I feel like that's such a great summer reading book because it can be devoured so quickly, you know, yes. like she does that really neat thing with the formatting that feels very, um, Oh, what, what did it remind me of? Like, like in monster where you get like the, the bits and pieces of the book in different, uh, different formats. Yeah. Um, yep. It just makes it so easy to inhale really fast. Um, yeah. So I, def- I definitely threw that on that bestseller list recommendation. You know, uh, we really like dragging hatchet on this. Uh, I know. And it's funny too. Like as I've, I've, read a couple of these, you know, like girls in the woods survival stories recently. It's like, I keep thinking about hatchet, just having to suffer through listening to that too many times in, you know, elementary and middle school, just like, (laughs) oh, (laughs) on a totally unrelated to hatchet note, uh, I've got one more book I'm going to share for the summer reading list. And that's, uh, it's a nonfiction YA book called This Land is Art Land by Linda Barrett Osborne. Uh, it's a book about immigration and how America came to be what it is today, like historically and uh, through contemporary legislation about uh, immigration. And there's a there's a chapter in there that's specifically about seeking asylum and about refugees that is super worth reading and sort of digs into policy that was in place. Um, this book published in, I think, 2015. So this is prior to the current administration, but... Uh, reading it will give you some good context for what is going on in the current administration. And uh, it, it's it got a lot of really nice visuals. It's engaging and appealing. And uh, yeah, it's one that has stuck with me. I've read a lot of, there was a, a season I read pretty much every YA nonfiction book that was out there. And this is one of the few that has really stuck with me. And that's uh, This Land is Our Land by Linda Barrett Osborne. Oh man, you know what makes me think of? Um... That Jen Marie Thorne book, um, mm, yeah. The Wrong Side of Right, yeah, where like her, she's the daughter of like a like conservative. Um, oh dear, what does he do? Is he a he's a, he's running for president? Yes, yeah, he's running for president, and they have like drastically different views. Um, yeah, that might be a good uh, good book to read over the summer too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing how people interact with one another when they have very different. Uh, you know, belief systems there. Um, plus, it's a really good book. I like her a lot. I think she's underrated. I have to admit I haven't read that one, but I know exactly what book you're talking about, and now I'm yeah. like, hmm, I need to add it to my summer reading list now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do you want to dive into our final topic? Because this is this is one you came up with and ties into uh, pretty much everything you talked about at the top of the show, and uh, yeah. I think it's hilarious, so go for it. Yes, absolutely. So we want to talk a little bit about um, pop culture YA um, and, and the tie-ins that uh, we've been seeing a lot lately, and, and maybe some dream authors uh, who we might like to see writing them. Um, so when I think about like the intersection of media and books, I, I just get really excited, um, because as a young reader, those kind of books had such a huge impact on me in 
terms of getting back into reading. Um, like I never really stopped, but I remember in like fifth or sixth grade and going into junior high, I became really obsessed with Magic the Gathering novels. <laughs> and there were a lot of these. I had, right before my wife and I moved, um, I had a box of like 16 of these, these little chunky, like mass market style paperbacks. Um, I'm not sure if they were necessarily marketed towards YA. It felt like they were, um, because the characters were usually pretty young. Um, but they were, they were media tie-ins to these playing cards that they developed this big lore around. Uh, and I remember like I'd find them in used bookstores when I was little and I would just inhale them. Um, and those led me into reading books that were published by Blizzard, um, video game company. So they, there were novels based on the video games Diablo and Starcraft. And I really think these books, uh, when I was a kid and like a, a younger teenager, um, really pushed me into reading fantasy and sci-fi a lot more. Um, and I know they get a lot of eye rolls when I bring them up with people, but I don't think they should because I think pairing something so familiar from pop, pop culture, whether it's a movie or video game, has the opportunity to get a reluctant reader uh, back into books. Um, and a funny story about those Magic Gathering novels. So uh, when Nina and my, my wife and I, when we were gearing up to move, you know, some stuff just wasn't going to come with us, which I decided would be my video game tie-in books. So I went to the used bookstore in my neighborhood with a bunch of books I planned on, on donating there. Uh, and I just sort of plopped them all off at the counter. And the guy was like, yeah, you know, I'll go through these. Why don't you go look around the store? Uh, and when I came back, you know, out of like the hundred or so books I had brought with me in an Uber down there, all that remained was a box of those Match the Gathering books. <laughs> and he's like, so we'll take all these, but... And he like kind of gave me this look. He's like, you can... You can hold on to these. <laughs> I was like, no. Um, I did find a good home for them, but <laughs> there is a stigma against media tie-in books, and uh, we should fix that because they can help. Um, and has anyone ever thought of adapting that Shadowhunter show into a YA series? We should, we should talk about it. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, let's talk about uh, media tie-in books. Um and, and, and what we're seeing. I don't know. What, what have you seen? Because I remember you saw some stuff that I hadn't heard about yet. So I was uh, I was poking around in some of the publisher catalogs. Um, let me back up first. So um, I'm not like a huge media person. Uh, I watch very little <laughs> TV. Like we don't, we don't have cable. Um, so we watch a lot of like reruns of stuff. And I could probably mm-hmm. tell you everything you need to know about like any season of Project Runway ever. Um, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, <laughs> So as I was thinking of like, oh, okay, Stranger Things, it's like, well, we know we're getting Stranger Things YA novels and graphic novels. Um, And my movie watching is sort of limited to horror. And uh, though the last one I saw, the last movie I saw in theaters was Thoroughbreds, which is like a dead ringer for a YA psychological thriller. And I have heard so few people talk about it that I'm wondering like, what, why not? Um... I hope that any wire readers who love psychological thrillers pick that one up. Um, It should be available on DVD uh, now because I think I saw it back in like February. Um, So it was dark and weird and full of super horrible characters. And uh, Mm -hmm. I loved it deeply. And as I was watching it, I was like, why isn't this a YA novel? And it made me think that there's something there. But uh, where I was going with that was uh, since my like own engagement with media is so uh shallow i guess is the word to use i went into (laughs) some of the publisher catalogs to poke around and see what was coming and i found two that i needed to share and the first is that we're getting carmen san diego novels because apparently there's a netflix live action carmen san diego coming um and then uh we're also getting oregon trail novels (laughs) That kills me. I don't know. I know. Um, like, what, like what, how, how? All the characters will die of dysentery along the way? Like, snake bites? Um, <laughs> will you kill a dozen buffalo, only be only able to carry 50 pounds of meat home? Like, I, <laughs> I have intense memories of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you'd go hunting and you'd kill everything. and <laughs> Yeah, and you'd be like, like what, oh, I got all this stuff. And then it's like, it, it tells you, like, you can only carry 50 pounds of the, like, 500 that you got. And you're like, yeah. why did I spend all that time doing that then? <laughs> you know? Like, is there is there a lesson you're supposed to learn there? Because I don't think anyone ever learned a lesson. I think no. everyone shot all the squirrels they could 
(laughs) And then when you would get, like, the bear, because you got farther out west, so, like, there were bears available, and you got the bear, and you're like, awesome, I'm so good at this. And they're like, you could basically take the head, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You leave the rest. You're like, oh. Um, Yeah, those are the two that I saw that are coming. I think they might be more middle grade than YA, but... uh, Mm -hmm. I thought that they were super worth mentioning because I didn't know there was a Carmen Sandiego live Netflix thing coming. Um, and I've yet to figure out the context for the Oregon Trail books. But uh, I, I feel like people of our generation would, would want to know about that. You know, there's a video game called Oregon Trail, which is about it's basically Oregon Trail, but you're you're trying to get away from zombies. What? Yeah, it was a Kickstarter. And oh. uh, if you. If you play it on the iPhone during the credits, you can run over a zombie named Eric Smith because <laughs> I donated to the Kickstarter. <laughs> oh. oh, Kickstarters are fun. Um, so let's see. What else? What else? So we have the Stranger Things. We have that. Um, we I know. Uh, we- go ahead. Um, I I think that I was gonna I was gonna say that. Um, I wanted like Mean Girls tie-in novels because that ah, was something yes. I was super into. But uh, we have one. M- Michael Astow wrote one um, last fall, so that's out. The Mean Girls novel exists. Yeah, and that one I feel like I get a lot more because, um, mm-hmm. like, I know you know teens are still watching that movie when it pops up, and then there was the musical. Um, so it feels like it's still very much in the I don't know in the in the in the air there. Um, and did you know she's writing a Riverdale prequel? Speaking of media tie-ins. Yeah, I feel like I saw something briefly like when they announced it. Um, I yeah. feel like she's like got a really great voice for that. I agree. Um, yeah, it comes out like the end of the year. Someone pointed out to me on Twitter um, because, oh my God, Riverdale is like the like property that feels so prime for YA adaptations. Um, I'm excited to get one from her, but like I'd love even more. And I, I was tweeting about this about how like Stephanie Keen writing like a Josie and the Pussycats Ooh. novel, um, or Courtney Summers writing Veronica. And it might sound like I'm recommending a lot of like dark uh, sort of writers for the Riverdale universe, but if you've watched Riverdale, it's not exactly the Archie comics you mm-hmm. used to read that your parents would let you read while you were, I don't know, <laughs> in my case, waiting to get a haircut. Um, there's a lot of murder. In the Archie world, uh, <laughs> in Riverdale, um, everybody's always dying or getting stabbed or, or betraying one another, and Archie and Jughead are in rival gangs, and it's just it's just a whole thing um, that feels so primed and perfect for like YA thriller authors. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and we've talked about YA thrillers, but I feel like there's really a um the the media that's out there now for for young viewers I, I shouldn't say young viewers I should say people who would typically like YA novels like what they would watch that has that sort mm-hmm. of same feel a lot of it is sort of that psychological thriller um, like I was saying I was surprised that there's not been more talk about thoroughbreds because it was such a YA psychological thriller and I was like huh how come more of like the dark writers that I uh, like haven't talked about it or dug into it and. Uh, yeah, I think that there is. I think too, with Stranger Things, it's it's dark in a different way, but it does some similar, you know, like digs into darkness and and into you know, uh, the sorts of things that we're seeing a rise of in YA more broadly. And on a yeah. totally, totally different, like, different wavelength. <laughs> I, uh, I I actually changed my mind. There is something that I want um, in terms of like. A franchise, I guess. Um, I want a YA book or series of books about young people who are taking part in a Great British Bake Off style series. So it would be, you know, like the show is so nice and like pleasant and relaxing and just like uh, after a long day, you're like, I just want to watch the bake cake. Or like, oh man, did I ever tell you about, I, I had my mind blown when I learned that Baked Alaska was an ice cream treat and not some kind of fish dish. I learned that. Wait, really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was like lobster or something all this no, time. You just, you just blew my mind. I know. Well, you've got to go watch that episode of Great British Break, Bake Off um, and watch them make Baked Alaska. But um, Anyway, so so that show would be perfect for, like, a YA series. Um, I would love to see uh, teens who are – that has that tone and teens who are taking part in a similar competition that's like, yeah, it's competitive, but at the same time it's like 
friendly competition. You know, like, it's not yeah. dark. There's no, like, trying to sabotage anybody else. It's just, like, everybody showing off their best and doing their best. And um, It's not Gordon Ramsay screaming at you for yeah, an hour. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I love that, too. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, sometimes you need a palate cleanser. And uh, I could see somebody like Tiffany Schmidt doing a really great uh, series like that. Or mm-hmm. maybe Metalli Perkins, since uh, yeah. she she does really great family stories. And I wonder if she would be able to t- tell, like, a really good family story about a teen girl who is in one of these competitions. Um, it would be really fun. Yes. And, like, jumping into that, like, I'd like to see a YA, like, antique roadshow sort Ooh. of thing. Maybe written by our mutual friend, Preeti Cheever, um, who is featured in that a Thousand Beginnings and Endings uh, mm-hmm. anthology. Um if you look her up on Twitter, there is a very public and very hilarious uh, interaction between her and Antique Roadshow where they got her down to Antique Roadshow because she was such a mega fan and tweeting about her all the time and she got <laughs> to hang out with everybody. Uh, I would like to see her tackle that <laughs> as a YA contemporary. Oh, man, that would be fun. That would be so much fun. Um, are there any others that are I know you were talking a little bit about uh, Jurassic Park. The tie-in? Yeah. So this is sort of what inspired all this. Um, I got a copy of The Evolution of Claire by Tess Sharp, um, which made me want to do this in the first place. It's a YA novel from the perspective of Claire in the Jurassic Park series. So it's um, a Jurassic World prequel, and it's it's really delightful. Um, this is, like, exactly the kind of book, um, the sort that would have gotten me out of my reluctant reader funk as a kid and start picking up books again, because, hello, there are dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, and when I was a teenager, I, I sort of liked Michael Crichton quite a bit. Um, it's also weird to think about the, I don't know, the evolution of this book to getting to where it is, because, you know, Jurassic Park got made into a movie, and now there's a series of future movies that are, have no basis in the original Jurassic Park novel, and now there's a novel based on the movie, <laughs> based on the book, based on the movie. Like, there's just, there's so much to unwind there, and I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I have a copy of that, and I've been really liking it. Um, and yeah, I feel like we're getting such a big research into these media tie-in books, thanks to Star Wars, yeah. too, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Beth Revis, Claudia Gray, E.K. Johnson, Ray Carson, writing some really recently... Um, and again, you know, it just gets those reluctant readers back into reading same way, like those YA comic book adaptations that we talked about do. And as you were talking about, um, the Magic the Gathering, uh, books and how they got you into <laughs> reading science and fantasy, it made me think about too, one of our early episodes, we talked about how there's not much genre fiction that you read in school. Like there's very little exposure to it. So, um, it makes perfect sense that media tie-ins would be a way for a lot of kids to have their first exposure to genre fiction if they haven't, you know, picked it up on their own. Like, they love Jurassic Park, so, you know, they're going to find science fiction, and they're going to find that they love it, and, um, you know, like, fall down that whole rabbit hole, which gets them to love reading in a way that maybe they would not find just through what they pick up at school. Yeah, and, you know, I was thinking about, um, like, when we were were getting ready to do this, I was like, oh, let me look, look up some... Uh, you know, shows that teens these days are watching while feeling very old as I was trying <laughs> to find this. Um, and one thing that kept popping up was a lot of, like, shows that are, are just streaming-specific shows that are mm-hmm. being made for teenagers, like like All Night, which is on Hulu, which feels like the, the perfect idea for a YA novel. I don't know why someone didn't do it before it became a TV show. Um, have you heard of this show? I have not. And now that you're talking about it, like, I want to know a little bit more about it. Oh my god, it's so cute! It's like I haven't finished it yet, but it's it all takes place in one evening Ooh. during one of those like teen lock-ins where like you get locked in like after for a graduation party and you know you stay in the school and there's like games and events and you know food and pizza and stuff and it all takes place in one night and it's like a twelve episode series. Um, like what a perfect YA yeah. book or like or like American Vandal. Um, Which felt I like loved. a perfect YA novel. <laughs> yes, it was, it was so, so brilliant. Good. Yeah, it was so good. Um, There's even one on Facebook, like it, that, that Facebook media platform they're developing mm-hmm. called Five Points, um, which is like a teen drama. Um, ah, it just made me feel several years older thinking about <laughs> the, <laughs> the stuff that's specific to the streaming. Um, but one show that is streaming specific 
that feels like such a slam dunk for a YA series would be Glow. Um, particularly from the perspective of, of Sheila the She-Wolf, who's this, like, tortured uh, character that has this, like, darkness inside her where she dresses up in the, the wolf clothes with the makeup and everything. And, like, there's this great moment in season one where, like, she gets seen without her makeup and her, her costume. Uh, and one of the characters talks to her about how she doesn't really see it as her costume. And it's just this really sweet moment where you, you know there's something up with her, but you don't know what it is yet. Um, and then there's this character, Justine, who's a teenager um, who, like, I don't want to say what her deal is because it'll ruin a big story point in season one for people that are listening. Um, but her story arc is just really great. And I feel like... Like Netflix should hire Miranda Kennerly to write a series of glow novels because mm. she's so great at doing sports uh, and heavy issues at the same time. Um, yeah, I think about this a lot. Uh. <laughs> that is a uh, that's one show I still need to watch. I um, oh, I, you'll love it. When I was at ALA, like this is such this feels so name droppy, but at the same time, like I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, at ALA, one of the things I did get to do is I had breakfast with Sarah Farazin, and she oh, was talking cool. about Glow and gave me, like, the rundown. She said that you have to watch the documentary first to sort of oh, get the yeah. backstory, she said, and then go and give yourself, like, three or four episodes of the first season, and then you'll know if, like, it's it's your thing. And I've, like, I've kept that in mind, and every time I'm, like, watching another episode of Project Runway. Like, I could be watching something new. Uh, I've even got, like, the the watching pathway, if you will, to, like, how to watch it. And I haven't done it yet, but I want to. And you're making me want to, too, thinking about, like, that it's got prime, you know, prime goods for, like, being a YA story in some capacity, mm-hmm. too. Um, do you have any others that you would... Um, let me see. Maybe Grownish. Um, like have Brandy Colbert write a book. Uh, from there. Um, that's really it for me. I think. I I would like to see um Daniel Krauss do some something horror-y. I know he's um Ooh. he is doing um one of George Romero's stories. Like he's doing a novelization of. Wow. Yeah. I I. I'll link to the actual like details in the show notes rather than my like mumbling about it. But uh, he does some of the like greatest dark, like super, super dark stuff. And uh, so, you know, knowing my, my viewing habits, like there are so many potential like horror places that he could like tie in something way related. So um, yeah, that's, I think our show, I before before we sign off, I just wanted to remind listeners to join us as we read Tyrell by Co Booth this month. Uh, we'll do a book discussion of it in the one of the segments of the August 8th show. So just have the book read by then. Pick up a copy wherever you want to. You can get it in any bookseller or uh, your local library. And uh, join us as we as we dig in. It's a, it's a shorter book, so it shouldn't take that long to read. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I know you probably got your copy too, because I sent them. I sent it to you the same yes. day I sent it to myself. So sitting on my shelf, like waiting for when I can sit down and just like take it all in and take my notes and <laughs> come up with some smart things to say uh, when we discuss it, or not smart yeah, things to say. Because <laughs> we have to plan our jokes out too, like <laughs> plan it all. Out. So. Uh, that's all for our show. So thanks for tuning in this week. If you've got any feedback about the show, leave it on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. And when you do that, it helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye.